So, you want to be a paladin? Well, you've come to the right place because this is a Day Players bonus episode which covers one of the coolest but least understood classes in Dungeons & Dragons. After you complete this episode, not only will you know if Paladin is the right class for you, but you'll also be prepared for Day Player's upcoming All Paladin Campaign arc. There you'll get to see Paladins in action, and maybe even get a lesson from me. Because you can bet your Dragonborn ass I'll be in there somewhere. Alright, uh, hello, good, good morning Peter, good morning Morgan. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Okay, so uh, we are uh, doing this little bonus episode to uh, explain the class of paladins. And uh, this is one of the... So paladins are, uh, from my experience, one of the more misunderstood classes in Dungeons & Dragons. And I think, you know, new, when new players are... I'm talking with new players, they'll... Uh, often be like, you know, what's a paladin? You know, and it's sort of hard to explain. Um, and I think that's largely because it's one of the few D&D classes that's not based on a Lord of the Rings character. Uh, a lot of the other ones uh, have Lord of the Rings uh, analogs, you know, because, like I said, it was kind of based on them. And so, you know, like, you know, Gandalf's a wizard, the hobbits are rogues, you know, Aragorn is a ranger. And also, paladins... Uh, don't really have as strong of a media representation uh, as like druids or barbarians, or not as specific of a media representation, because everybody kind of knows like, oh, the big strong guy, or like you know, uh, right? This, with this person turns into animals. With paladins, um, it's almost like the entire storyline. Everyone is a paladin when they are there. They don't jive as well in media with the rest of a fantasy class. Right, right. They are they sort of have their own specific form of, of fantasy. So let's talk about the historical foundations of paladins because, like I said, they didn't come from Lord of the Rings or you know some other fantasy tropes. They kind of actually come almost more from real life than any other class, I'd say. Hey, do you want to talk about King Arthur, Peter? Yeah, um, King Arthur. You could think of as the original paladin. He was a guy in heavy armor and a sword, and he fought. And what separated him from just a standard fighter, why you couldn't just make King Arthur as a level 15 fighter, is the fact that in these stories, the Knights of the Round Table, there was always these miraculous feats. Things that, you know, happened because of their uh, righteous faith. And those can't really easily be represented by just any class but paladin. You know, if they call upon the power of their sword... Uh, you could be casting the spell like magic weapon, right? And it's um, and I think it's also uh, good to distinguish, uh, just from a, a thematic flavor standpoint, uh, that they are miraculous rather than magical, you know. And so there is a religious component, and that also uh, I think is because of the uh, historical foundation of, of the paladin class as well. Because other influences are like uh, the papal guard, uh, you know, knights. Or the Crusades, the Crusaders, one of the darkest parts of European history, and that's really saying something. Yeah, the, um, the main thing is, like, humans that had, like, a big mission. Like, a, they are really devoted to their goal. Right, and that's where the, like, so the, the home, the, the, the sort of defender of the realm uh, comes from, like, you know, Knights of the Round Table and Papal Guards, and then, like, the go out and slay evil 
in the um in you know in the in the far in the world that comes from like the crusades again very a lot lot of dark history there that we'll we'll just we'll just stay away from um <laughs> this leads to a known one dimensionality of the paladin archetype and class the big flaw with paladins nowadays is because of this sort of shallow representation that we all know of as paladins when we create characters that are these paladins they're one-dimensional instead of being these fully fleshed out characters they only know them as knights in shining armor who have the power of god on their side when this gets to the table uh you only have catchphrases I detect evil. I vanquish <laughs> evil. I save people. Not a lot of nuances there. So that's sort of the historical foundations. Uh, if we look to uh, more modern representations of paladins, um, you sort of you you, you find uh, characters in, in in media that aren't uh, you know on the surface they don't look necessarily like paladins. They don't look like you know. Uh, you know, knights of the round table, but they, you know, in uh, essence, you know, sort of perform as a paladin. I think the um, probably the most popular example right now is Thor. Is actually, uh, strangely enough, kind of a paladin in that he's like got a moral code and he's mostly hitting things, but he can also call in, you know, supernatural powers in like a big and uh, yeah. So Thor's a, 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 a you know. A, kind of paladin like and he fits thor fits into the the mold of worthiness like to be a paladin it's not anybody signs up for it and it's like a job it's you have to want to do it and the whole thing with thor needing to be worthy to wield his hammer that's straight paladin stuff and that's straight from king arthur as well that's that's exactly the sword in the stone Mm-hmm. And way way back, uh, Paxton, when you were asking me what a paladin does when when we first started playing D anD D together, it was like I couldn't really think of many. But the one that I came up with that I thought was pretty good was just like Jedi, because while Jedi are not exactly based on worthiness, it's certainly a devotion and it's like a religion, and they they have these special powers that they don't use constantly. Although I don't know if you watch the prequels, they kind of do, <laughs> but they, they're more yeah. about having a code of honor and martial arts. Like, like knowing not to fight is the true wisdom and stuff like that. And being good people. Uh, right. And, and there's uh and there's also, um, they're, they're part of, they have an order. They're part of an order. And that's not necessarily, you know, required to play a paladin, but that also can be a big part it's a paladin's character. Yeah, it's an element of it, you know? We have orders of paladins, so you have an order of Jedi. Another good example, uh, which I didn't fully realize until we started talking about doing this episode, was characters like Samurai Jack, even, that have just that every once in a while, uh, they pull out, like, a miracle. They call on their ancestors, or they're, they really show that their weapon is magic, uh, that are people that are really devoted really into upholding justice and righting wrongs that kind of thing and a lot of these characters that we're bringing up are you know they're paladins in spirit you know if it's it's sort of hard this is another reason paladins are misunderstood i think is because the paladin trappings of you know armor and swords 
and you know, kind of uh, the, the, old, the like chivalry style of speaking. That's like the accessories. Those are the, the, the image things. And in a lot of cases, the actual inner workings are found in media like this, but the trappings are not the, the armor and the, the, you know, the sword wielding and everything that's that, that is tended to stay in its own sandbox in a lot of cases. Right. It helps to think that the knight in shining armor is just one type of paladin. And if we go to the core, those values are shared amongst many media characters. That's yeah, it's a really good way to put it. Does uh Peter, do you want to talk about Batman or do you want me to talk about Batman? <laughs> yeah, I could talk about Batman. Batman is an interesting idea of a paladin because he is a righteous protector in a way. He wants to save his city and he has laws, he has morals that he he sticks to. He's not going to kill anyone. He's going to save his city and do it the way he wants to do it. Um the challenging uh, parallel that we have to kind of draw from this though is that instead of having miraculous abilities he has miraculous technology instead of being able to pull up like his god he has his computer which he can just type in some numbers and find what he needs to find that sounds like him asking a, a greater power to me Exactly. That's his. That's his detect evil. Morgan, did you want to talk about one of our 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 favorite uh, fantasy movies? Oh yeah, absolutely. And this is this is going to be a curveball for a lot of the people out there listening. So if you've seen Season of the Witch, amazing, critically panned Nicolas Cage movie, <laughs> it is about these uh, basically like Crusader witch hunter people. And they are former crusaders. Yeah, they, 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 that's they right. Liter- they yes. literally are. That's right, because I remember Which, that Which, again, scene. Crusade, <laughs> crusades, bad. Right. But, uh, but, we'll that for this movie. But in a world where, like, witches are real and they do want to, like, fuck up people, these guys are doing the right thing. And they're, and they're good people. But the movie plays with, you know, are you a really good person without mercy like is that also part of like upholding good and being a part of you know taking care of people because most of the movie is by 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 volume most of the film is nicholas cage and ron perlman and transporting a teenage girl in a cage to uh you know basically be like exercise or killed or something and that's the I think killed right yeah so the yeah I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. they're they're taking her to to you know hang her drown her one of the yeah one of the incredibly visceral murder techniques of the Middle Ages exactly and and so uh, you know the the central you know uh, spine of that film is that uh, Nicolas Cage is struggling with himself as to you know is this is this girl really evil. Is it okay for me, as a protector of of good and and, and righteousness, to take this helpless girl to be killed? Da da da. So. Exactly, which which is a that's a thing that you can do to play your character. It's you know you don't have to be the one the one dimensional thing like Peter brought up. It's you can play like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Am I sure? You know, like killing goblins. Goblins are evil, but they have a whole society too. You know, like. Am I doing the right thing here? It's important to think about. It actually creates a story arc with your character. If you're a paladin and you say, I always do the right thing, well, that's kind of boring. You're always just doing the right thing. But if you say, I do the right thing 
and I don't know if I'm always doing the right thing. Now you have like a journey and you have a question and something you want to seek out and it becomes much more interesting and dynamic. And you could have a, a past, you know, I became a paladin because I did a bad thing and, you know, I hope to not do a bad thing again. Exactly. Right. And then, and then you have another story, right? Where are you good because of what you do now or are you not good because of the culmination of your past? Does one year of being a paladin make up for 15 years of being a bandit? Right. Yeah. So it's, yeah. The, so the, the central, you know, that's one of the things that thematically defines paladins is this uh, question of morality and their relationship to it. Um, so, uh, so, that, so that sort of covers uh, what the paladin is in, uh, you know, a thematic and flavor form. Um, what, uh, if we want to talk then, flavor, though, it's really like down to like preference, though. Because it's all just about, like, do you want to do the thing you want to do because you want to do it or because it's the best way to do it? Hmm. Right. Yeah, and well, and that's um, the perfect way to segue into let's talk about the mechanics of, like, the class over the years. Uh, yeah. Yes. The paladin. The <laughs> paladin. Such a weird history of a class. Yes. So I, I looked up a little bit of the older stuff and... One of the things that uh, I kind of forgot because we've been playing 5th edition pretty much since it came out uh, is that paladins used to, like, one, they were required to be lawful good. That was pretty restrictive. Uh, Depending on how nice your dungeon master is, you might not be able to lie. You might not be able to stealth. You could... I don't know what, like not get tattoos, you know, like there, there could be all kinds of crazy things that limit you because and, yeah, go ahead. And, and I was going to say, and these, and these are from, uh, uh, no, that's, that's, that's playing the th- into the thematic role again, because it's like, Oh, you, you, you can't stealth because you're like in armor and you go boldly forward. You don't sneak around. You, you're the, you go and serve justice. Yes. And I mean, yes, justice is, kicks the door down. It is the thematic thing, but like Paladin is one of those classes where the thematic material is the gameplay. Like right. doing smites, which is like your main kind of thing, that deals, you know, you get bonuses for destroying evil things with it. So like more than like a more than like a fighter who you can be literally any type of person and still be a fighter, you do have to role play a paladin in a way that coincides with how your abilities work. Right. And so that was more restrictive in the past. You're, you're saying. Way, yes. Way more restrictive in the past. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, something that, that existed in three, five and earlier editions was the idea of a fallen paladin, which was if you did not uphold to this, this to your beliefs, to your tenants, the DM could just say, you're no longer a paladin. Yes. How are they gone? All of yeah, all of your uh, healing abilities, magic, uh, even like resistances and strengths, they would just disappear because basically, your god was like, "Oh, I don't agree. Sorry, you're out of the club." <laughs> yeah, which just to be clear, there's there's no like there's no rule that prevents uh, you and your your DM from doing that in fifth edition if you want to. But oh, like, of course not. That was oh yeah, nah, in not the past. Really. Yeah, but in the past, there was like that was 
you know, almost a requirement. Yeah, whenever in some ways. whenever yeah. we talk about old stuff being uh, restrictive, we mean that it was the only thing that you could do. <laughs> not not that it was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so that's that's uh, so that's what in three three five um, three five, but I mean even all the way back to uh, like. I don't know what what do you call it? like first edition of D anD D. There there was an option to be a more god driven warrior uh, fighter type class where there would be a little bits of healing ability and connection to a god, having a code of honor stuff like that, uh, and then it kind of evolved into its own class, which be kind of it it became the middle ground between the fighter and the cleric as a spellcaster but a big tank guy who can run into the fight and you know throw some elbows <laughs> and and also the the paladin um you know there's a lot of different ways to build a paladin you know you, you, there's a lot of diversity there um but uh i want to talk uh briefly about smite you get some of the abilities you you get um just all the time and one of the main ones is your big attack which is smite and this is where um one of the things that you know thor is just absolutely the same as the paladin in which is smite is you got your sword or your flail or your you know great axe or whatever and you are gonna you bring it in for one big blow and you trigger like a magical you know like like you call you call in like a divine strike basically through your weapon so that's like thor you know with the hammer and the lightning and um there are different kinds of smite but if I'm not mistaken, isn't like overall smite the most powerful attack in the game that isn't like a crazy high level spell? Yeah, smite is like mathematically really high damage um, for what it is. Uh, and I remember seeing people doing math and it was basically paladins can deal out the most damage just by smiting over and over and multiple attacks around and they are really a uh, a heavy hitter of a class, and that that I think that right. goes well with the flavor of like, you know, you're you have like this righteous fury, and you know it's just like you hit really hard, and it all just goes so well together. Hey, I cast the out. Yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward mechanically. It's just paladins, while having the ability to cast spells, they have much more limited spells that they can cast and how many times they can cast them as opposed to clerics which is you know like the the equivalent um right. divine good do-gooder class yeah so what, what i like to uh to think of a lot of the classes in D. there's a few exceptions but uh for the for the most part you can lay them out on a uh, magic to melee spectrum that goes from wizards to fighters so at the one end you know uh, wizards basically can't fight and you know i mean they they could hit somebody with a stick, but it's it's pretty ineffective, and they do tons of magic. And then at the far end, you have uh, fighters, like a pure fighter, like a champion, where there's there's no magic involved at all. It's just you know uh, swords and spears and hitting yeah, people. You, you just swing and, real hard. Yeah, and and that's uh, and so paladins are one of the classes that are pretty close to the middle. Um, it is still in the melee half. It's on the melee side of the middle line, and I, I would say that about uh, the the cleric is about equal distant from the middle, but on the other side of the magic side. So right. 
that's a good way to think of how the 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 paladin uh, you know, sort of uh, where, where where it sits. So more a melee class, but still pretty strong in magic. And the smite is where that sort of comes together. Yeah, you, the, you can, yeah. the the way that paladin spellcasting works is your your spells are mostly make you better in combat. They make you more likely to hit or make your allies more likely to hit or give you extra armor. And when you don't need those, it's pretty much expected. You expend your spell slots like like ammunition into your weapon and that's where the smite comes in and it's like a you know you can flavor it however you want and it's basically your divine power channeled through your weapon and it's just like a big like four hammer explosion peter do you want peter you should yeah, take, you should take I'm, I'm, I'm ready okay. okay go go for it one of the most genius ways wizard of the coast improved D&D in the 5th edition was the introduction of archetypes, and it has opened up the paladin class by so much. You have your traditional paladin with the Oath of Devotion, but you're not locked into just being a paladin that does good all the time. They have other ideas of a paladin. Um, my personal favorite is the Oath of the Ancients, which now you have a like a green knight, someone who just doesn't care about the good, but cares about the good of like nature, and uh all that jazz and then you also have an oath of vengeance which deals with the more vengeful side of the paladin seeking out evil and trying to cast it out and destroy it at all costs and instead of having these archetypes locked behind some sort of uh like lawful good lawful neutral chaotic good they're now beliefs you have these tenets things that you will uphold while you have this oath yeah and so uh and just to to uh, uh, briefly con- put some context on it. Uh, if you don't know, archetypes are um, every every class in D and D Fifth Edition has some subclasses with them. So it's like I am. You go like wizards. You pick a. You're going to be a wizard. Then you pick like what school of magic your expertise in. You yeah, know, it's it's basically a, like branching paths for how you want to yeah. build a character. Yeah, you know the uh, if there's there's a. Uh, um, I think one of the good examples is is a fighter. So if you have a a fighter, you got uh, the three archetypes to choose from are you can either go uh, just pure like oh man I'm just like you know m- you know super I'm Mrs. Swords I'm I'm super you know good at fighting and that's like that's like the champion uh, or you could go like oh I'm more like a like a general so I'm able to like do maneuvers and that's the battle master type and then there's like oh you know i know like a little bit of magic that i picked up on my travels or from whatever reason and that's the um uh what's that one called again that's the eldritch knight eldritch knight right so that's still a not so that's eldritch knight is uh is a way to make a fighter that's fairly close to a uh to a paladin but it doesn't have that that important thematic element of of you know the morality and the and the right and the belief that actually segues really well into um the alignment and deity requirements of paladins which is kind of what sets it apart from like making just like an eldritch knight fighter that's a fighter that knows some magic yes uh, yeah exactly and the the alignment requirements i already mentioned a little bit uh they used to be pretty locked in 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 three five which is what i've played the most of uh you had to be lawful good 
you had to be. That was the only way. Uh, now, uh, fifth edition has really opened it up. Uh, if you look in the book under like Paladin of Vengeance and the Paladin of the Ancients, it'll say like, oh, this this archetype is often like lawful neutral or neutral good or different things like that. But you can really do whatever you want alignment wise, as long as it plays into the, the goals, the devotion, the higher purpose. The other kind of open-ended change with fifth edition, uh, along with the alignments are the deity requirements. Originally, you pretty much had to pick a specific God that you worshiped and that was the source of your power. Um, but now you can be a paladin or a cleric and you can say like, I don't worship a specific God. I am just empowered through my devotion to this, my sense of justice, uh, to my desire to do good, to preserve beauty in the world, to make people happy, to protect people. Uh, you don't need to say, Oh, I want to be like, you know, like a paladin of like light what are the light deities that I can pick to follow? You can just say like, like, no, I, I am just the embodiment of my goal. So without needing a specific alignment or a specific deity, uh, wizards of the coast put under each archetype, basically kind of like just these little short tenets of your class, which are really broad ways of thinking about the class that kind of makes them work basically. So if you were like a like a paladin of vengeance, it's like fight the greater evil, no mercy for the wicked, you know, by any means necessary. And those are those are kind of like your really basic things to work with. So those are really basic ideas of which oath you pick. Um, to contrast those tenets of vengeance of like really pursuing your foes, there's the oath of the ancients, which is like preserve your own light, kindle the light, you know, like make people happy, make the world a good place for people to live in. And it's, it just gives you a completely different set of tools to work with while you're playing the game. It's very much a, a jack of all trades kind of class. You know, there's, um, you know, the standard sort of, you know, four party types is you got a spellcaster sitting at the back blasting stuff. You have a tank in the front, uh, picking up all the damage you have a healer to keep people alive, and then you have another class to just like deal out tons and tons of damage. Origi uh, originally called the, like a striker, mm -hmm. right? And that's sort of the traditional D and D uh, adventuring party. You definitely don't have to do that. Um, you know, have that have that setup. You can play with whatever combination you want. But um, that's sort of the classic one. And a paladin is a class that you do get a little bit of everything. A paladin has so many abilities and a lot of them are just given to you from the start uh you are given spells granted they're a lot they're mostly you know attack spells and things that make attacking better but you're still given spells you have healing you just have a pool of healing um the ability to lay on hands gives you this uh daily uh set of hp that you can just give out you don't need to give up spells you can just heal people whenever uh, you have heavy armor. You can wear a shield, so you can easily be the tank. And then we've already spoken about damage. You take those spell casting sl uh, slots. Don't need to cast that spell. Great. Spend it to smite. Deal extra damage. 
Yes, um, they, they kind of fall into just classes that can really fulfill different roles and kind of always, always have something they can do to help the situation. Yeah, so that's, and that brings us to the question of why may you want to play a paladin? If you have a character idea who fights, who picks up a blade, a weapon, but is more than just the flesh in the armor, someone who has a belief that fuels them to battle that can do more than what they're capable of, someone who is capable of miracles, someone who's a superhero, that is a paladin. That is the type of character you would have if you want the paladin class. Right. Someone who is... Uh, driven by something bigger than themselves. You know, they don't think of them themselves first. They, they have this code or mission that they are trying to uh, uphold or complete. And it doesn't mean you always fight necessarily, but it means you are trying to, you know, a paladin, you know, is not someone who runs from conflict. A paladin seeks out uh, conflict to resolve it. Yeah, you know, a, a big difference between... Uh, you know, playing a cleric versus playing a paladin. Um, obviously, mechanically, they have kind of the same access to certain types of divine spells. They worship their god. They can get armor. They can deal damage. But clerics are kind of more of the passive version. Like, they are more about upholding their concept, what their rules are based on their god, stuff like that. But paladins are really the ones who are going out and making it happen. They're um, the doers. They're the doers. So what are, some, what are some fun things about playing a paladin for you guys? I mean, my whole thing that I really like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I guess the, d- the dumb thing that I like is I love D&D because it has really clear combat rules. So playing a paladin is, it's very, very clear. It's almost like a flowchart of... You, you get into combat and you like, okay, do we need damage? I'm going to go in. I'm going to smite. I'm going to deal tons of damage. You know, uh, if somebody needs help, you can run over. You can protect them. If they need healing, you lay on hands. It's just you always have stuff to do. It makes you feel, it makes you feel powerful. And, I mean, that's kind of the point of playing like a big adventurer. Yeah, and you, don't, and you always have uh, a reason for doing what you do. There's not, there's not a lot of like, uh, like, you know, uh, well, what should I do? What would I, you know, so a, a lot of, a lot of other classes, you know, I think rogues in particular, people are often thinking like, what would my rogue do? Cause they're, they're self-interested. Cause that's like the rogue stereotype. And then, but with paladins, it's like, you know, in, in a lot of ways as a, as a, a DM slash GM, it makes running the game easy because it's like. Oh, um, I can just okay. They somebody just somebody just kidnapped a little, uh, you know, a, a little boy, uh, in the in the middle of the town square, you know. Well, or like a, you know, a demon pops up, you know, out of out of uh, you know a mountainside. It's like the paladins; they are heroes, so they run towards it. Paladins don't sit around and think like. Like, oh, should we should we take this? This looks dangerous. Da da da. Maybe we should uh, just uh, get out of town. That's not a paladin. Absolutely. If you're playing a paladin and you don't know what to do in a situation, you have your tenants. You can always look at what you're supposed to do and then do it. Like if you're a devotion paladin and uh, you're gambling or something like that, you're at a casino and you're given the option to cheat. You could say, no, I I will not cheat. I know I won't cheat because 
I am not allowed to cheat. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Or, you know, if okay. you're the Paladin of Vengeance, you have to say, you know, like, is this is this helping my cause? Will this get me closer to my my enemies, you know? There's there's always a way to think in terms of your greater paladin goal. Okay, so uh, what are some ways to not play a paladin? What are what are things to avoid? You might have heard this before, but lawful stupid is a classic oh, yeah. archetype of a paladin. It's where you know a paladin follows the laws, and you just follow them to the letter, even though it's not the best, most goodest thing to do. If you're a paladin and you catch a thief who is stealing bread to feed their family, is it a paladin thing to punish them or to help them? A lawful stupid person would say, well, the law says that they need to cut off their hand, so I think I'm going to cut off their hand. The game <laughs> exactly. becomes... Chop, chop, yeah. chop. The game becomes very boring as suddenly you're not making any decisions. You're just following the letter of the law and all the nuances, all the character stuff is gone. You can't make any right. You can't make any character advancement because the only way to advance would be to change the laws. You know, that that's not, you know, that can be funny, um but my uh my uh you know, professional advice is that uh, that's cool. We can say professional advice because we have a D&D podcast now. My professional <laughs> advice is that playing a long campaign as a lawful stupid paladin is going to get old very fast. Those first two jokes are not going to be worth it. Yeah, it, you you kind of start right. to fall back into the, the older play style of uh, the requirements of being a paladin where you're basically like a cartoon character that is like, oh, I... I never tell a lie, and I can't cheat, and I can't even stealth places. You just you just limit yourself in all ways. Yeah, it's... I mean, I don't want to say that this is not... Like, saying you can't lie, that's not bad. It's just like, if you follow okay, the, right, the laws right. too much, it's not good. Or if you do it in a way that's bad, like, if you're a paladin and you say, I will never harm another person... And then the DM looks at you and says, this whole game is about fighting rebels. You're going to have to cut people. And he's yeah, like, sorry, not it's gonna, about combat. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not cutting anyone. That's, that's bad. It's not going to be a good, fun game. And if you wanted to do that, For, Paladin's not really the one. You'd want to be more of a cleric, someone of, of pacifism. Right. A cleric, a cleric can get by, get through a whole campaign without hurting anybody. They can just run around throwing out support buff spells and healing people the entire time but paladins as you as you said they they go and you know they do stuff they make stuff happen a classic rationalization for bad player behavior is it's what my character would do oh i i, I stabbed you it's what my character would do i pickpocketed you it's what my character would do you you say that when you don't have a real like justification you just want to do bad things Right. And what that what that really translates to, you know, it's it's sort of like when somebody says, you know, I'm very opinionated. Normally that means I'm that's code for I, I'm disagreeable because like everyone's opinionated. Yeah, yeah really. Um, that what it's what my character would do. That's sort of code for I'm doing a thing that I don't want to take uh, responsibility for. It's sort of it's it sort of reveals, you know, if you're saying it's what my character would do, that's you're making an excuse for the action you d just took, which sort of 
that that betrays uh, an, a discomfort with the role playing. There's a disconnect there with the role playing. If you're like, oh, it's what my character would do. I wouldn't I wouldn't do this, and I don't want to do this, but. My character would do this, so it happens. That's sh- that's not how you should role play. Yeah, let's cop out. There's a paladin equivalent. It's this is what the law is, and right, yeah. following every law doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you're playing with a party of people who probably aren't following every law. In Seattle, it's against the law to jaywalk. Oh, and we people, all doing it. <laughs> we do it all the time. Would it be great? If you're with your friends and you start walking across the street and your friend who's been your friend for years says, stop, citizen, you're breaking the law and arrest you. The main point is when you're with. I would also say that in Los Angeles, it's illegal to jaywalk as well, but people usually don't do it. But that's that's out of a fear of uh, of death, not out of of the fear of the law. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Um, Sorry, Peter, go on. Yeah, the, the point I was trying to make with this, though, is that if you're in a party of people whose goal is to defeat the greater evil and one of your party members says, no, 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 we have to hold up on defeating the greater evil. I'm taking you to jail because you committed this minor crime. And then the entire table is looking at you going like, why are you doing this? It's just a small crime. Listen, we have bigger things to deal with. And they say but, it's what the law is. But it's what the law is. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's what the law is, or it's what my character would do. Uh, the times that those should be, they sh- they shouldn't be used really, and the times they should be used the least is when you are fighting against the rest of your party. That's, yeah, that's uh, that's a just, red flag. Just all right. to throw that out there, that if you are trying to stop your party, like if you try, and you know, let's be clear, that doesn't mean like you know, I don't think we should go into the castle. You can deliberate, but you know, if you're like, I'm gonna try and. You know, uh, I'm going to try and stop my uh, my party from doing something, from continuing the adventure, because it's what my character would do. Well, you know what? Your character shouldn't be in that party then, because this is an adventuring party, because you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I, I want to clarify, though, there can be a lot of really engaging, really interesting character stuff that can be done if, say, the rest of the party does let's take like a uh what is it uh those the walk away from omelas if you've known that uh, classic literary short story about people who are willing to basically sacrifice one person in the town for the safety of the rest some paladins might not be okay with that whereas the rest of the party might be and that could be a really interesting situation you get into but only if everyone kind of takes it seriously and everyone kind of plays with that. And then if it ends with your character being like, I don't think I can be with this party, then that's a really interesting thing to do. And playing a character that has to go into retirement or leave the party, that's, I'd say that that's an accomplishment, but yeah. Yeah. There is a big difference between, uh, you know, the, the discussion of do we sacrifice this person to make things better for this town, to save this town. And like, that's a good reason. That's a moral, that's a moral discussion to have though. What is the law of, well, I have to stop the party because it jaywalked. That's unless you're playing like a campaign for goofs, that's, (laughs) that's not, and you can play campaigns for goofs, but everybody needs to be playing the campaign for goofs. If you're playing it for goofs and other people want to not play it for goofs, that's, that's, that's not good. 
So it's you know have have the have the um, debates be about substance. Don't hang on an arbitrarily quickly created law if it's stopping the story from moving forward. Yeah, that's a great way. That's a great way to end it. Yeah. Cool. All right. So yeah, if uh, give pa- you know give paladins a try if you're if you're interested in playing uh, a character that is you know like a Thor or a Samurai Jack or a Batman who's really good at dealing out damage but also gets a little bit of everything else and sort of has a moral you know spine you know a more a moral uh, uh, arc built in uh, give you know give paladins a look and if you still maybe want a little bit of motivation or inspiration you can check out our upcoming adventure campaign where all of us play paladins all right all right cool so i think that covers it pretty good guys all right, all right So here's what we're going to do is we're going to count up to 10 in unison, and that will allow me to sync the tracks later. Okay. Right, so let's just start, let's start like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right, cool. I think that's... Uh, I hope that works because Paxton, your 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 tempo is not the best. <laughs> I know. Do you want to do it? No, I think we're fine. It should it should work out. <laughs>